2 Corinthians states, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. New King James Version reads, But now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there must also be a completion of what you have. Then Hebrews 10.38 reads, Thirty-five is good. You can go back to thirty-five. It says, so don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to preserve, persevere, so that when you have done the will of God, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. It says, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. In verse 38. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I, I mean in Jesus, is saying that he takes no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Let's bow our heads. Father, we praise you. We thank you for the word. We thank you, Father, for this atmosphere we thank you because you deserve it all I give you glory and I give you honor father that you have allowed me to come before your people to give you them what you have given unto me so I pray God that you would continue to be with us continue to encourage someone on today continue father to help us to see ourselves God through your word in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, finish what you began. Finish what you began. <laughs> finish what you began. I'm going to show you a video, but I wanted to kind of just lay a foundation for what I'm going to be talking about. There's a lot of times that we can start out doing something and have the eagerness to do it. We're, we start out like, yeah, we're going to get, we're happy, we're excited. We're, we're overjoyed about doing it. But somewhere along the line, we lose steam. Somewhere along the line, we lose the intensity. And I, I traveled out of town this week. And in my travels, I saw many of buildings that were started but did not, was not finished. And you can tell that it was not finished because of the mere fact some of the boards had began, I'm getting a, a, a hum or feedback. Some of the, um, some of the boards had began to turn like brown or, or gray because it had started they had started it, but somewhere along the line, 
they may not have had the money to complete it. They may not have had the resources to complete it. They may not have had the strength to complete it. And so it lay there half done. And so I say on today to you, what in 2019 did you start but you didn't complete? What in 2019 did you purpose in your mind that you were going to do? Maybe it was to get closer to God. Maybe it was to, to, to study more of the word of God. Maybe it was to start a business. Maybe whatever it is. I don't know what your it is. What is your it? But I say to you today, finish what you started. I want to show you this video. And then I'm going to come back to it later on in my message. Let's look at this video real quick. Got to turn my volume up on the computer. Start it back over, Sister Holly. We see an astounding performance yesterday at the Marathon in Austin, Texas. Did we see an astounding performance yesterday at the Marathon in Started over again. Thank you. Now look at this difference. Athletes who don't cheat can win lasting glory. And boy, did we see an astounding performance yesterday at the marathon in Austin, Texas. Here's Manuel Bajorquez. Almost done. Kenyan runner Yvonne Negetich had been in the lead for nearly 26 miles. The finish line was within sight when this happened. Overcome by exhaustion, Negetich fell onto her hands and knees, but kept going. Oh my goodness, look at what's going on here in the women's race. She led for the entire day, only in the closing mile, her body let her down. Race director John Conley was watching. I've seen athletes wobble and fall. I've seen athletes crawl across the finish line. But that story of her going 26 miles and then crawling the last 450 feet or so, uh, never seen anything like it. When the medical team rushed to help and offered a wheelchair, she refused. She's taking no for an answer. Keep on going, lady. had still managed to come in third. Conley greeted her after the race. You ran the bravest race and crawled the bravest crawl I have ever seen in my life. Negetich couldn't recall those final moments. For the last two kilometers, I don't remember. She did it! She did it! Running always, you have to keep going, going. Conley bumped up her cash prize. He says it was the least he could do. I have never heard our, our crowds that loud cheering for an athlete like, like that. It's like, like she won the race. She is the defining moment of that weekend for us. An image of defeat turned into triumph. Manuel Bajorquez, CBS News, Austin. Notice now what look at the organizer of the race did. He said that he bumped up the cash prize. And the cash prize went to her. 
Even though she didn't win the race, she completed it. And yet she still was the highlight of that race. They never did. That's, the newscasters are not ca re, uh, casting who won. Look at what they're doing. They're casting the one that went across the finish line. That finish, she was determined, no matter how bad it felt, she was determined to finish what she started. She was determined to finish what she started. And, and I, I play that, we can go back to, um, I play that because it was encouraging to me that sometimes you're going to get knocked down. Sometimes you're going to go through some things. But you need to keep on moving. If you're going to finish what you started, you got to keep on moving. Her purpose was to win the marathon. Her purpose, even in, and I'm going to go back to that video towards the end, even towards the end, did y'all notice how her eyes were focused? Even towards the end, she knew what her purpose was. And she said, no matter what, I'm going to complete my purpose. And a lot of times when we look at ourselves and the purpose that God has, uh, 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 our purpose in God or for God, we oftentimes look at it, what has God called me to do? What is it that God is requiring of me? But when I, when I, when I thought about this, Holy Spirit dropped into my, my spirit. It says it's not only what he's called for you to do, but God's purpose is for us to walk victoriously in every area of our life. Every area, that is a purpose that God has for us. He desires for us to walk in purpose and to become more like him. His desire is that we mature like him. His desire is that we get victory, win the victory in every circumstance. I don't care what it is. He wants us to have the victory, whether it's victory over our insecurities, victories over our loneliness, victories over our lack of finances, victories over our stubbornness, our pride. He wants us to win the victory. He wants us to be victorious over those things that would hinder us from running the race. And remember on last week I said run to win. Anything that's going to hinder you from finishing the work that God has started in your life, he wants you to, get vict uh, to be victorious over that. Whether it's your own thoughts, he wants you to be victorious even over your own thoughts. Point to yourself and say, God wants me to be victorious. There's some things that we talked about on last week that trips us up from finishing what we started. And God wants us to be victorious and not allow those things to continue to trip us up. So when, when I went to go see my spiritual mentors, and I, they're my pastors, I went to go see them this week, and I was kind of sharing with them. Um, we were talking about finishing the win and, uh, I mean, uh, uh, finishing strong um, and kind of just going over the messages that I had been preaching. And I said that we, got to, we began to talk about a marathon runner and a sprinter. Now, can I just demonstrate for a few minutes? Gabe, can I, can I use you? Can I use you? So, a marathoner 
Gabe, I, you, you're my sprinter. You're younger. You're, you're, you're my sprinter. So I need you to get down in the stance of a sprinter. Okay? A marathoner is in the stand-up stance. The stances are different. You get me? Come, come a little closer. The stances are different. And so when Gabe starts out, he starts out and just start out sprinting. When you sprint, and, and, and when I studied about the sprinter, there's different muscles that a sprinter has to use. There's different energy that the sprinter has to use or, or have to have because of the mere fact he doesn't have to go anywhere. He, it's not a lot, and when I say that, he doesn't have to go the distance that a marathon runner. And so when, when a sprinter, get back down in your stance, when a sprinter, he's going to explode out of the box. His eagerness, I got to, every stride. And, and I, I realized that uh, when I was doing this study about a sprinter, the sprinter is going to lead off in the most dominant and most powerful foot. And so when he, <laughs> and so when he leads out in his most dominant foot, it means that every stride he's gonna get faster and faster. Now with a sprinter, it really don't matter how he starts. A, ma a marathoner, a marathoner, it really don't matter. But you notice the stance is different. And so Gabe is not gonna be able to run as long and as fast as the marathon. Why? Because their training has been different. Gabe's training, his, his, his physicalness, has been different. Thank you. The training and everything, thank you, God, gentlemen. Your training is different. And with the marathoner, the marathoner knows that he can't bust out of the box like the sprinter. He can't bust out with the same intensity and the same oh that a sprinter would, would bust out of the box. And a sprinter is going to use up everything that he has even before he gets to the first checkpoint because he's not conditioned. But God has said that we are not running a sprint, we're running a marathon. And so our stance has to be different. Our training has to be different. Our mindset has to be different. What we partake of, what we eat of has to be different. And with a marathon, a marathon, how many of y'all know how, far, how long a marathon is? 26 miles. 26, now if you bust out of the box too fast, you're not gonna make it 26 miles. 26.2 miles. And so the struggles that the marathon runner experience, the sprinter ain't gonna experience. The pain that the marathon runner experiences through the race is not gonna be the same as the sprinter. Why? Because the sprinter is not designed to run the marathon. Sometimes a marathon runner is going to be like the lady you saw on the screen, barely can get to the finish line. But you see that most of the sprinters, you see them pass, the, they, you see them finish the race, right? They may fall out at the end, but they made it. So we have to understand that we're not running a sprint, we're running a marathon. 
And God wants us to ensure that this marathon of life that we are running, that we are victorious in finishing it. I put a point down, it says, in the Christian race, everyone who pays the price of vigilant training for the cause of Christ can win. If you're willing to train, vigilantly train, you're going to win. Train through adversity. What do I mean train? It means that when you go through certain situations, you don't give up. It means that when, when you're feeling a type of way, you don't give in to those feelings. That's training. That's training your feelings. You are not going to rule over me. The Bible says that not letting our flesh rule over us, but I master my flesh. I beat my flesh. I bring it into subjection. The marathon runner is saying, you're not going to get the best of me. It says, every believer runs his own race. And it says, don't you realize that everyone runs? And in each of us, God has enabled us to win. And when I, I, I was thinking about this and I was driving, and the Lord said, who are you to give up? Who are you to say that you can't take it? Who are you to say you don't deserve this? My son suffered. My son went through. My son was rejected. My son received disappointment. But did he give up? And if Christ suffered, what makes me think that I don't have to? I know we don't like to talk about suffering in the church. We always want to make it seem like everything is great and everything is grand. But there are some times that we are going to go through, but it is for our making. The Bible talks about the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. How do you think that you're going to get glory? You're going to get glory through the suffering. Amen? Amen? And it takes willpower to finish the race. It takes willpower, and it took willpower for that lady to finish that 26.2 mile marathon. 20, I can't even imagine running 26 miles. I can't even imagine running a half a mile, y'all. I'm just, I'm, yeah, Robert, I cannot run a half a mile. I ain't in shape. I ate too much. <laughs> Come on. It's, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of us ain't designed spiritually to run a half a mile. We eating too much. Eating too much of the wrong things. Indulging too much of the wrong things. And now I, I, I thought of, uh, I, I, when I was studying about the marathon, they were saying there, there were certain things that you shouldn't do before you go to run a marathon. And I can't name all of them because some of them, you know, it, some of them was like not going to use the bathroom. I'm like, or, or going to use the bathroom, making sure that you use the bathroom before you are not, you know, eating, not doing it. There are times that we enter into stuff and we're doing the wrong things before we enter the race. So when we enter, we can't finish. We can't finish. So what's my first point? My first point is coming from 2 Corinthians 8 and 11. It says, now finish the work so that your eager 
willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. My first point is keep your eager willingness. Keep your eager winningness, willingness. Why did Paul, let's, let's kind of look at the backdrop. Paul was telling the Corinthians to keep their eager willingness because it was a year before this or, or some time before this that Paul was a, uh, asking for support of the ministry. He was asking for financial support of the ministry. And they were like, yeah, we can do this. We got the means. We got everything. And they were excited about doing it. But by 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter and the 11th verse, something happened in their thinking. Something shifted in their eager willingness. And when I began to look at it, it was saying that the Corinthians had got upset with Paul. The Corinthians had some disagreements with Paul. So because of their disagreements, they lost their willingness to do what they promised to do. And so I, 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 I say to you today, keep your eager willingness, your willingness to win. And in and, and keeping your eager willingness, you're going to have to create some distance between those things that will zap you of your energy. You're going to have to create some distance between those things that are pulling you back and causing you to look and see different things than what God is seeing. We, we, we did a, a series on unity, and do you not think that the enemy is not going to come and try to challenge the unity? And so what we have to do is we have to distance ourselves from the negative talk. We have to distance ourselves from those people that are going to slow us down. The other thing that I thought about uh, 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 distance, we have to distance ourselves from excuses. We can excuse, well, they didn't, they didn't treat me the right way. Or, or they didn't acknowledge me. But does that have anything to do with your decision that you made or your commitment that you made in the beginning? Does it have anything to do with it? No. You said, God, look, come into my life. Clean me up. And now that he's trying to clean you up, you saying, I can't take this, God. Now that he's trying to show you, you our worst opponent is ourself. How many of y'all got, got uh, phones in here? Turn your, put your phone up to your face and turn it on selfie mode. Are y'all like, oh, Lord. Yeah, do it. Turn it on selfie mode. And say, my worst opponent. Point to it now. Oh, look, she back there fixing herself up. <laughs> my worst opponent is me. Y'all don't see, y'all don't want to say it. See? My worst opponent is you. Yeah. <laughs> My worst opponent is you. What do I mean? Our worst opponent is our own thinking. Our worst opponent is our own flesh. Our worst opponent is our own selves. It's not anybody else. We can't want to keep blaming somebody else. They didn't, you know, they made me do this, or they made me feel, or they hurt my... Your worst opponent is yourself. Unwillingness to forgive only hinders you. 
You got to forgive yourself and forgive. I was listening to somebody this morning. And it's like forgiveness, and they were talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving pardon to somebody. They don't deserve it. They're not worthy of it. But you're, you're saying, look, I'm going to pardon them. I ain't going to forget, but I'm going to pardon. And our worst opponent is ourselves. I, 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 there are times also that we distance ourselves from the wrong thing. What do I mean? We distance ourselves from the word of God. We distance ourselves from the people of God. Those who God has placed in our lives, we say, I'm going to be by myself. I don't want to be bothered. Or we get mad and we say, we're not going to be bothered. We ain't going to come to church. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, God dealt with me about that. We're not going to come to church. We're not going to press into you, God. I'm not going to read your word today. It's not hurting God. It's hurting you. That's your training. That's, how, that's your nutrients to be able to finish what you started. Finish what you started. Listen to what uh, uh, Proverbs, it says, run is like to run with people who will help them set the pace to win. I don't know about you, but I'm setting, I'm, I have my eyes on people who are setting the pace and I'm watching them. Or either those who can come alongside like I did this week going to my pastors and my spiritual uh, 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 mentors. I ca they came alongside me to set the pace, to say, you can do this. You were built for this, to encourage you. I want to run alongside people that are going to help me to finish the race. Let's look at Proverbs 13 and 20. Proverbs 13 and 20, I may not have it in there. Okay, Proverbs 13 and 20, just write this down. says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. You got to make sure that who you're running with is going to help you set the pace to win. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 18. Finish what you began. My next point is stay faithful and don't shrink back because of difficulties. Stay faithful and don't shrink back because of difficulties. Paul knew about difficulties in the race that he was running. 2 Timothy 4 and 16 and 18 says, the first time I brought before the first time I was brought before the judge, look at this, no one came with me. None of my friends, none of those who said, I'm with you, I got your back, I'm here to encourage you. But it says the first time he was brought before the judge, no one came with me. That next sentence says, everyone abandoned me. Everyone abandoned me. And there are times that we feel abandoned. We feel like that we are, that nobody knows what we're dealing with. Nobody knows how we're feeling. Nobody knows the struggle that I'm feeling. The weightiness that I'm feeling. Everyone abandoned me. Couldn't even get a text message. Couldn't even, somebody couldn't even inbox me. 
because they were so busy with their own stuff that I didn't have nobody to come and run alongside me to encourage me. And it says, may it not be counted against them, even though Paul said that, look, dog, you abandoned me. You left me. What you mean? He says, but I'm not counting it against them. In other words, he's saying, I forgive you for not hanging in here with me. I forgive you. I let it go. I'm not going to count it against you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show some grace and some mercy. I got it. I was all by myself, but I'm not going to count it against you. And verse 17 says, but the Lord, you may not have stood with me. You may not have been there with me, but the Lord stood with me. And he gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. In other words, Paul said, look, I don't care who is not with me. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to fulfill the purpose that God has set out for me to do. And we have to make it up, make up in our mind that no matter who stands with us, who agrees with us, who is in our corner, we have to make a determination that, look, we are going to keep on going. And then what you do is you lay it out to God, say, God, I feel all alone. Lord, I feel like nobody is here with me, but I know that you're here with me. I know that you're with me. And it says that God gave him strength. He recognized that God was standing, that the Lord was standing with him. And because he recognized that the Lord was standing with him, it gave him strength. Verse 18 says, and I like verse 18. It says, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack. Every evil attack. Every evil attack that the enemy tries to place in your life to hinder you from completing it or from finishing what you started, the Lord will deliver you from. And it says, and, he, and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. We have to finish what we started. Stop giving up along the way. Stop making excuses along the way. Stop letting life cause you to lose your momentum. Stop letting life cause you to lose your stamina. Life is going to happen. We can't, we can't avoid it. Things are going to happen in life. And we're just going to have to roll with it. And when I say roll with it, you got to dig your feet into the Lord, dig your feet into the word of God, dig your feet into people who God has placed in your life and do this thing. I, I, when I went away, where I went, y'all know me, I'm, I'm always giving, I'm always doing, you know, Miss Esther tell me all the time, you know, Pastor, what you doing? You know, what you doing? Sit down. We got this. Always doing. And when I went away, the people who I went, they said, look, we don't want you to do nothing. We need for you to learn how to receive. We need for you to learn how to receive. And God used them during that time to sow into my life. I told Sister Kathy, man, I walked away with 
I was, I didn't bring nothing, but I walked away with so much. It was so, it, it, it was just so breathtaking of how these people sowed into my life. But by them sowing, they were really showing the love of God. They were really given what God had given them to encourage me to say, you can do this thing. And by them and, and me in a posture of receiving, I was able to receive the strength and the stamina that I needed. I mean, and, and I left and I was just in tears like, whoa, God, you blew my mind. God wants to blow our mind. God wants to blow our mind. Let's uh, go to Hebrews 10 and 38. And it goes, Paul, he dealt with sufferings, persecution, and he says, I've endured it. I'm sorry, let's, let's go to, let's go to uh, uh, 2 Timothy 3 and 17. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Verse 16, let's go back up. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. Don't distance yourself from the word of God. Read the word daily. As much as possible, get the word of God in you because it says that it's useful to teach us, to teach us the truth, to teach us what is wrong so we stop making bad decisions. So that we stop connecting ourselves with wrong people. It's going to teach us what is true. And then it helps me, and I'm going to just, I know it says us, but it helps me to realize what is wrong in my life. The word of God. Don't, don't, if you eat anything, eat the word of God every day. Desire it. If you don't have a, a, a desire for the word and an understanding for the word, ask God. Ask God, open up the word to me. Give me a hunger for your word. Help me to understand what I'm reading for, and help it to be applicable to my life. See, a lot of times we read, but we don't know how to apply it to our life. But if you ask God to help me to apply this word to my life, he will give you revelation and how to apply it to your life. And it says, it also corrects us when we're wrong. Nobody likes to be corrected when we're wrong. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know who I told this morning, but I said, um, and I was talking to a friend last night, when I went to go see my pastors, believe me, some of the things, I got chastised in some things, and I didn't like it. I didn't, I'm grown. I did not like it. You know, you ain't here with me. You're not dealing with who I'm having to deal with. But they chastised me. And I had to take it. Because I understood, but the way that they chastised me was in love. The way that they corrected me was in love. First of all, I went to them. They didn't come to me. So I admit, that meant that I left myself open to receive what they had to say. And once they said what they had to say, flesh and pride wanted to rise up. But I had to put my flesh up under subjection. I had to put my thoughts up under subjection. I had to put my pride and tell them, you're not going to rule over me. Because I understand that what they're telling me, they've already ran the race. They've already gone where I'm trying to go. And so why not connect with them who has the wisdom? 
So I received the wisdom that they were saying, and I'm, believe me, it came, I came back, and I had to rethink some things that I was doing and going to do for 2020. But then he also, my, my pastor also said, look, he said, don't do X, Y, and Z. He said, because if you try to do X, Y, and Z, you're going to put pressure on yourself. And I'm telling you this because I don't want you to feel pressured. I said, wow, thank you. And immediately when I resolved in my heart at what he was saying, when I received what he was saying, whew, the pressure relieved. We have to receive what God is saying, whether it's right or wrong. Whether we, well, not right or wrong, God is right. That's right. Let, me, let me backtrack. God is right. That's right. Our thinking is wrong. <laughs> and how we feel like we're being done some disjustice is wrong. So it says in verse 17, it says God uses his word. He uses what we go through to prepare and to equip us and to equip us to do every good work. Stop trying to squirm out of where you're at right now. Ask God, what do I need to see or what do I need to, to get out of where I'm at? And Hebrews 10 and 38 says, do not throw away your confidence, but it will be richly rewarded. Believe God. Have confidence that God's got your back. And the, and, and, the, and the word says that I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Stop shrinking back when adversity comes. Complete, finish what you started. Stay hungry for God. I got to hurry up. You need to persevere in verse 36. We got to persevere. When I looked at the 26-mile marathon, every two miles, there's what you call aid stations. And at the aid stations, there's medical tents, there's, there's uh, 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 ointment, refreshments, there's bananas, there's, there's things that, uh, 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 pain relief sprays. Um, there's even persons that are there to administer and to, y'all ever seen them, they running and they got a cup and they're handing them the cup. And now some, some people will go by the aid station because they say, I don't need it. But then there are some that's going to take what's needed from the aid station. God is our aid station. When you're feeling like that you cannot make it, when you feel like that you're under such a weight, go to the aid station. The aid station, how do I get to the aid? Keep on running and then fall on your knees. And saying, God, I need some strength right now. And there has been some times here recently that I said, Lord, I don't have the strength. This is not my burden. This is not my situation. This is your eye at the aid station. You know how they drink the cup and then they throw it? They got what they needed and they left. They threw the cup. You're going to have to get what you need from the word of God. You're going to have to get what you need from the very presence of God and leave whatever it is that you came there with at the foot of God on the altar. Leave it there. Stop picking it back up. And you, it's hard to run with a cup of water. You're going to get rid of that because for one thing, you need to be able to keep your stride. Last point, maintain your focus. Jesus wants us 
to win. God, our Heavenly Father, wants us to be victorious in every situation of our life. He wants us to get rid of our excuses. He wants us to get rid of all of those things that hinder us. And I don't know why I keep coming back to excuses. Excuses means that we don't have to look at ourselves. We're going to say that this, we don't have to take responsibility for our own self. We don't have to take responsibility for our actions. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says, let us keep looking to Jesus. He is the author of faith. He also makes it perfect. He paid no attention to the shame of the cross. He paid no attention to the hecklers. He paid no attention to the people that were saying, if you think you, you know, son of a, come down, get yourself out. He paid no attention to the voices that were around him. But it says that he suffered there because of the joy he was looking forward to. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And verse 3, it says, he put up with attacks from sinners. He put up with them. If he put up with them, what are we going to We got to put up with them too. We got to put up with it. We got to put up with some things. If we're ever going to grow, we can't wiggle. We can't stay immature all of our lives, spiritually immature. We have to mature in God. And it says, so think about him. When you're getting tired, think about all that Jesus went through. Think about the suffering. Think about how he went through what he went through. And it says, then you won't get tired and you won't lose hope. Let me play that video one more time. And I want you to focus, to look at the end of the race when now the lady is on her knees and look at her eyes. Athletes who don't cheat can win lasting glory. And boy, did we see an astounding performance yesterday at the marathon in Austin, Texas. Here's Manuel Bohorkas. Almost done. Kenyan runner Yvonne Negedich had been in the lead for nearly 26 miles. The finish line was within sight when this happened. Overcome by exhaustion, Negedich fell onto her hands and knees, but kept going. Race director John Conley was watching. I've seen athletes wobble and fall. I've seen athletes crawl across the finish line. But that story of her going 26 miles and then crawling the last 450 feet or so, uh, never seen anything like it. When the medical team rushed to help and offered a wheelchair, she refused. She's taking no for an answer. Keep on going, lady. Negetic had still managed to come in third. Conley greeted her after the race. You ran the bravest race and crawled the bravest crawl I have ever seen in my life. Negetic couldn't recall those final moments. For the last two kilometers, I don't remember. She did it! She made it! Running your race, you have to keep going, going. Conley bumped up her cash prize. He says it was the least he could do. I have never heard our, our crowds that loud cheering for an athlete like, like that. It's like, like she won the race. She is the defining moment of that weekend for us. You are on top of young lady. An image of defeat 
turned into triumph. Manuel Bajorquez, CBS News, Austin. Y'all saw her eyes? It was the eyes of determination. It was the eyes of saying, you know what? And they said they offered her a real wheelchair and she refused. Because see, if she would have gotten into the wheelchair, her focus would have been on the wheelchair and those who were carrying her. But she focused. And you can start playing, Michelle. She focused, her eyes were that of determination. Her eyes was that of, you know what? I have fallen, I'm in pain, but her determination. And you heard, y'all may have not understood what she said, but she said, you just gotta keep going and going. You fall down, keep going.